Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable. Well, hello. It is the Thursday edition of the Duff and Quarters podcast, minus the man with very small hands, who is down south using his very small hands to pick up large quantities of Savion Savion Blanc and throw them down his nanny goat in quick succession. That's my guess as to what's happening down south at the moment. But we do have in the studio with us Jordan McArdle, our gun young newsbreaker and our draft guru. Guru, sorry. We are brought to you as usual by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858. Geordie, nearly called you quarters there for a minute. I hope I don't look like quarters. But well, show, us, show us your hands. I've got a busted uh, finger. That's about the... Yeah, the little one. A, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, um, probably about as useful as quarters' hands with, with a finger like that. But. I could, could, wait till you get it looking like that, mate. <laughs> I've just held up my incredibly twisted and busted hand, which I did... Uh, playing footy in year 12 and then was exacerbated by my good friend Judy who I used to sit next to in biology who jammed it in the gas tap in the biology lab um, in the middle of winter and uh, it didn't recover very well. That's pretty disturbing. Well I used to rest it on the on the steel of the tap you know those little steel taps that used to have in the labs and um, just because it seemed to it used to ache in winter and uh, for some reason, the cold steel used to give it some comfort. And Judy, who had a slightly twisted sense of humour, decided she'd flick the tap over the top of it and uh, and it jammed in the joint. And uh, I went white with pain. <laughs> That's horrible. Can you still feel anything? It's fine. It works fine. It just looks horrible. I had to have, basically had to have it. I had a knee reconstruction on my little finger, basically, <laughs> when I was about um, 30 years old. and uh, And it's doesn't look very pretty at all and there's a lot of steel in there but it works fine yeah but i'm told if i break it again it'll have to be cut off at the knuckle so i have to be a little bit careful with it who's had that daniel chick hasn't he i think he got his sawn off yeah yes all right what's news we've got adam simpson saying no north melbourne for me what do you make of that well we already knew didn't we really yeah it felt like it your your story earlier in the week sort of put that to bed with with Trez, Trevor Nisbet coming out and saying he's you know he's contracted till the end of 2024 and you know he's our man that sort of thing so yeah it feels like Simo's committed to the rebuild and yeah that's that's that really isn't it he um he, he put it to bed pretty quickly this morning in his weekly press conference no official approach from North Melbourne was the line wasn't it yeah that's right so so my understanding is that some premiership teammates of Simos have been in regular contact and doing a bit of urging. Um, now, obviously, that may not be formal uh, approach from North Melbourne, but at least one of those, as I understand it, still has strong links with the club in a semi-official capacity. So, so he worded it pretty well then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there has been – would you call it an approach – you might not call it an approach. You would certainly call it a sounding out and, and almost an expression of intent to go after him if he was showing any interest. But Adam Simpson, for quite some time, has been adamant he will see through the contract that ends in 2024. And West Coast, um, as uh, Trevor Nisbet said the other day, he will be with us. He's not going anywhere. They're not happy with where they're at, but they have a plan in place and they will work the plan. They won't be ditching the coach at this stage. If you were Simo, let's just take the contract out of it. If you were Simo, would you, given your history with North, given your strong links with them in the past, and given the the state of the lists at both West Coast and North Melbourne, 
would you entertain it at all? Depends how long the contract was. If if it's sort of four four or five years, but coaches don't really get those sort of contracts, do they? So and you know, Simo to have another another two years on on his deal now. He he must see the the building blocks are in are in place. It's been a bit of a perfect storm for the Eagles this year. I felt like it all sort of fell apart in that first preseason game at, at Laughlane, didn't it? When we were there, weren't we? Yeah, three was, in, three injuries before half time was almost hard to believe. That was yeah, I'd, I'd never seen anything like that on a on a footy field. I felt like I was looking at the sidelines more than I was at the actual game because there was just player after player going down. Who was it? Chessa, uh, Sheed. Sheed, Yo, Yo, yep. Uh, all in the space of probably 15, 20 minutes. It was and, and there was almost like a pall of doom descended on the club at that point. Remember, we were talking to a couple of old, crusty West Coast types who were driving around the boundary picking up stuff after the game as we were still filing our stories. And they were they were pretty much resigned. This is going to be a crap year. It was sort of like they'd had... Because they'd had a run of injuries through the preseason, hadn't they? And the and the three injuries in the first practice match against Fremantle. And they all looked like big ones, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. Like, like Sheed, when you when you saw the Sheed tackle, or it was a Will Brody tackle on Sheed, you thought, that's syndesmosis, which we thought at the time, maybe two months, it ended up being more like three or four. Um, and Yo ran off the ground and looked like he... That looked like not just a calf, big calf. And, and of course, the, the Chesser one. Chesser, we heard it. We yeah, were, we did, yeah. We were obviously on that. It was uh, like a whip grass. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a horrible sound, wasn't it? Yeah. It felt like he's, yeah, his season was going to end at that point, and, and it did. So, um, speaking of season-ending injuries, Gov's officially out. Yeah, Jeremy year. McGovern. So, they, they think that Elliot Yo will only be two or three, two or three weeks away. Um, but McGovern sat down. I think that's a sensible decision. This is a big injury. I remember a similar injury to Aaron Sandlands in 2016 when um, Nick Natanui hit him in midair in a marking contest, put the knee through the ribs and the lung, basically. So very similar. Um, to oh, I remember those photos of him with like the, the oxygen mask on, yep. looking, you know... As as white as a sheet. Yeah, that was yeah, that was something, wasn't it? So and, and seeing Sandy walk off the ground that day, he tried to run, and then he realised he wasn't getting enough air, and it's just there was this slow walk to the bench, and you just knew that was serious. So that was in round three. I don't reckon, I don't reckon Sandlands played again until round seventeen or eighteen. So that was three or four months on the sidelines. Clearly, a three or four month break for Jeremy McGovern is going to more than see out the end of the season. So I think that's a sensible call. Get him right for next year and um, and, and try and reload. Do we get the feeling... So the reason I asked you about Adam Simpson and what would you do is because I would definitely be staying put. And, and some people have said, you know, go back, get the long-term deal, do the rebuild. I think West Coast resources tell me that West Coast are a confident football club. I reckon West Coast will believe firmly at this point they will see light at the end of the tunnel by the end of 2024 and if they see light at the end of the tunnel then Adam Simpson will probably get a contract extension then there will be pressure on probably to play finals in 2025 um, but I, if I was them the club will be very well resourced uh, he won't if he needs anything he won't want for that you know they will they will be able to provide it for him I believe he's happy in Perth um, City Beach it's not a bad place to live I'd be happy if I was living in City Beach as well instead of Balcatta yeah, I've visited it occasionally but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I house sat in City Beach once or twice that was fun um, but I haven't actually ever lived there so yeah I, I think um, Adam if I was Adam I'd be definitely um, staying put yeah I agree and you, you look at the players that will come back next season um, Dom Sheed's barely played a game this year. Uh, Jeremy McGovern's been in and out. Campbell Chaffsell, we haven't seen him other than that one quarter of um, pre-season footy and a couple of intra-clubs, which he looked he looked pretty good in the intra-clubs, that's for sure. So um, you add a top-end draft pick to that, whether it's going to be you know, pick two, pick three, whatever. So, um, you know, Nick Nat coming back, hopefully, you know, full pre-season under his belt. Um, there's there's certainly light at the end of the tunnel, I think. So, um, well, I think what we can say is that West Coast. So whether they should have been as bad as they've been, and I think there was a feeling as time went on that they shouldn't have been as bad as they have been. I think there is reason to believe they're not as bad as their season has made them look. 
Um, I think with a good run with injury and without COVID running through them like a hot knife through butter, um, I suspect that they that in and of itself will will mean upside for them. And then obviously, you know, if Oscar Allen plays at all, that's one game more than this year. If Campbell Chesser plays at all, that's one game more than this year. Tom Cole, so similarly. Um, so yeah, there are some reasons to to think there'll be upside next year. And the, yeah, you're right. The COVID. COVID over here has been another factor, hasn't it? Because the borders were open so much later than the rest of the country, so we, we got those high case numbers much later than a you know Victoria or New South Wales or whatnot. So yeah, um, felt like Fremantle handled COVID a little bit better. I think they um, they were super strict, weren't they? They were um, younger squad. So less families, less families you know, well, yeah. like the families. If it was probably significant that two of the first people to get it at Fremantle were David, or to be affected by it at Fremantle were David Mundy and Justin Longmuir, who you would think would be, you know, two of the most professional people there, but they have families. So Schools, um, whatnot, yeah. Yeah, they're going to school. The kids are going to school. They're bringing it home from school. Um, there's every chance you're going to be affected by it. And I think there was a there was a fair bit of that happening at West Coast during the season. Before we move on from West Coast, the sad news this week that Willie Rioli Sr., um, the father of West Coast Willie, has uh, passed away at the age of 50, um, sadly in the Tiwi Islands, uh, a football legend. I actually saw Willie Rioli play for South Fremantle. Back in the late '80s, he was a he was a terrifically skillful player, a slightly different Rioli, um, and probably if I was describing um, describing Willie Senior, I would say that to to put him in context, Willie Junior is probably um, somewhere in between um, someone like a Cyril and Willie Senior. Uh, Willie Senior was was short and stocky, but he was a rover. He had great goal sense. Like all the Riolis, had great ball skills and great nip around the the contest. Um, but uh, sadly, uh, passed suddenly this week. Yeah, really sad. I got to know him quite well when I was up working for NT News in Darwin. He was one of the coaches of um, of the Tiwi Bombers, so yeah, I call him probably once a week or once every couple of weeks. So um, just a just a lovely man as well put the uh, the footy stuff aside he always had that smile on his face kind of like kind of like willie junior in a way and um just a, a good person to be around so yeah my thoughts are with the the rioli family obviously yeah doing it tough at the moment willie's are uh, flown up to be with his family and uh, so indefinite leave for willie we wouldn't expect him back this year would you think? I don't think so. Like he'd he'd be up there for at least uh, you know at least a couple of weeks. You'd say. Yeah. And I would have thought three or four weeks, given um, the the way funerals play out for for Indigenous yeah, people. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So and so. then obviously, you know, his match conditioning and that sort of thing would have um, would have slipped to a point. And clearly, football is not on Willie's mind at the moment, as, and no, nor should it be. Exactly. And there's no there's no point rushing him back if he's He's not ready. I think West Coast are, you know, comfortable giving him as much time as he needs. Yeah. And whether that means, you know, the season over for him, it's it's totally understandable. You know, because they were they were very close. It, it was his idol. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's much point in him playing again this season. He should take as much time as he needs, and you know, be cherry ripe for uh, for next preseason. All right. So, news out of. Uh uh, the Sydney camp, Lance Franklin. The suggestion is, is that Sydney have low-balled Lance Franklin on a contract offer for next year and that Buddy is considering his options and his options include retirement and not going on or possibly being open to offers from other clubs. If you were a betting man now, Jordan, where do you think Lance Franklin will be next year? Sydney. You think he'll stay in Sydney? I think so, yeah. I think he loves it there. It's probably just one of those ones trying to trying to bump the the price up. It seems seems like one of those sort of. What would you be paying Lance Franklin to play for you next year? Well, definitely not what he was on the last <laughs> contract. But does five hundred get it done for you? Yeah, you'd think you'd think so. And don't they usually have other ways out of the salary cap? You know, ambassador roles for AFL in Sydney and that sort of thing. I feel like. Um, Feel like it, it gets done somehow. 
would the AFL want him as an ambassador given that they didn't want him to go there in the first place? There might be the, – the, <laughs> the, the AFL has a – as a strange way of uh, holding grudges when it comes to these things. Mind you, Lance Franklin has been great for footy in Sydney. He's put bums on seats. Especially that 1,000 goals. I reckon they would have quickly forgotten the past when he, when he got that you know, Possibly, big yeah. of a reaction in Sydney as well at the SCG. So, so there might be a, a, a sweet little sort of um, ambassadorship or something that might keep, keep Lance at, at, or at least within Sydney. I think um, so, for yeah. 12 months, yeah. Hey, maybe GWS will try. Well, there you go. That's where everyone thought he was headed, didn't they, yeah. after 2013? It was yeah, just I remember sh- the memes, the Buddy Arc, and it has like the arc sort of pointing towards GWS, and then it does the little late turn to Sydney. I did like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think he'll stay. I, I, I do. I think it – you know what? More than anything else, um, you've got to be careful to bring a player like Lance Franklin into your forward line because clubs play team – Defences, they also play team attacks. Now, and Lance is so much the big dog, isn't he? And he still is that at Sydney, to the point where when they sat down to pick their best 22 last week for the game against the Western Bulldogs, and remember, this is a game they had to win, absolutely had to win, they didn't have Logan McDonald in their best 22. So it's very hard to be the secondary target behind Lance Franklin. So you'd have to ask the question, where does he fit as the primary target? Because that's what he's going to be. If he, if he comes to your club. Can you think of any club where basically their requirement means that they should go after Lance Franklin? It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I feel like GWS, they don't have the the forward line working as, as well as it probably could. Jesse Hogan's been been decent, but you know they obviously lost their, their main man in Jeremy Cameron. So maybe someone well like GWS or... I mean, Essendon's got two metre Peter. He's he's ticking along really well. He's been one of the recruits of the year. Even somewhere like Gold Coast, they've they've got their forward line working even without and they get someone ben, like Ben King. They get so Ben King back. They're fine. Um, so they'll, they'll have Ben King and Marbia Chole next year. So that that's a good that's a good sort of like one two punch in attack for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then Carlton's got McKay and Kernow. Well, we're not even going to talk about Carlton. Hello, it's like talk about. Blessed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going going pretty well there. Geelong, Geelong, Hawkins and Cameron, so clearly up nothing there, with, there up there with Carlton with the best two. Probably is the best two. Just what about yeah. the two WA clubs? Frio potentially, purely because Tabin is so injury prone. He's a very very good player, but his body lets him down quite a lot. The hamstring and the the lower back. He's yeah, he's had a few issues there over the years. Um, you know, we we feel like Roy Lobb's not going to be there this year. That's what we're what we're feeling at the moment. Well, no, I th- let's clarify that. Roy Lobb has a contract, so Roy Lobb will go if Fremantle let him go. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it, from what Justin Longmuir was saying, he he really doesn't want him to go. So, and I don't buy this stuff that's come out this week. Of Roy Lobb has personal issues with Fremantle. He's not playing like a bloke who has personal issues with Fremantle. No, nah, no, nah, not at all. That that seemed seemed that, rubbish. He seems. He seems happy. I think it's just a matter of if they can, um, you know, provide him with the right contract going forward. I think it's the contract. Yeah, exactly. I think I it's exactly that. If 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 Fremantle waive the right contract under Rory Lobb's nose, Rory Lobb would be signing and playing another two seasons at Fremantle. Yeah, definitely. And it it makes it hard. They're obviously chasing Luke Jackson, who will warrant a, a big contract. So um, there's going to be a few players left over that. Um, they'll need to try and please as well. The likes of Acres, who still is out of contract at the end of the year. Griffin, Griffin Logue. Logue yep. um, they're, they're pretty important players as well. Griffin Logue, just watching him on the weekend, you know, 10 minutes before a game to be switched from forward line to defence and you know, play as well as he did, it, it shows how you know, flexible he is and how important he is to... Oh, I, think he's, I think he's massive. And if I'm Fremantle, there's no way Griffin Logue's getting out the door. Oh, absolutely, and he, he's already said he wants to stay in that as well. So, um, hopefully, they they get that done. Yeah, in fact, I'd I'd almost argue that I think Jackson comes with a bit of a buyer beware tag, and because um, what is he? Yeah, that's that's the thing that what what DeFrio see him as? They've already got one of the one of the best rucks in the comp in Sean Darcy. So, you know, Darcy will still want want to be the main man. 
So, you know, Luke Jackson will have to probably prepare to, to play a lot more a lot more forward and be that second fiddle like he is to, to Max Gorn. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting case, isn't it? Um, that's why I thought I thought he'd be a better fit at somewhere like West Coast where, you know, Nick Nat's coming towards the end of his career and, you know, misses a lot of games through injury. And, you know, he could develop his game off, off his idol as well, Nick Nat. He, he obviously grew up supporting. So my, my problem... For it, as far as West Coast goes, see, I'm I'm just not sure that it makes sense for either club. But my problem for West Coast is that Melbourne's going to say two first round draft picks, please. West Coast has to take a first round draft pick in this year's draft because they've traded regularly um, in in the last few years, and they traded out of the first round in a couple of drafts to get Tim Kelly. So therefore, they must must take one pick. So therefore, if they get Luke Jackson, they're going to have to split their first pick because they've got to take one pick. And then they have to would have to use the other pick to be part of the Jackson trade, and they're still short. So what do they do? Do they go into Hawk for the following year and and trade their first round pick for the next year, or do they um, throw a player on the table? You know, who would Melbourne like that West Coast have got? Maybe Jack Darling. Maybe Melbourne needs to bolster their forward line. You know, does Jack Darling go on the table? Does Jack Darling get you another first round pick at the age of thirty? Um, probably not. Probably not. No. So it, it becomes very problematic. West Coast DNA has always been draft first, trade to top up. They're in the draft phase now. And I think if I'm West Coast, I'm taking as many picks as possible. Tim English comes out of contract at the end of 2024, will be a restricted free agent. That'll be about the time that West Coast will be thinking that Nick Natnui winds up. Why not just wait for 2024 and take Tim English? I'd like to see West Coast split their pick. I know they've already said to you that they, they won't do it. but They said they're reluctant. Reluctant. So you never say never, but they're reluctant to do it. I'd yeah. love to see them do that and pick up a couple of WA kids, whether it's, you know, Hewitt and Buslinger or Hewitt and Jinby or, you know, a combination of those two because they're, they're probably... Oh, Hewitt may be top five, but I feel like the others are more that sort of six to 15 sort of range. So if they could split that pick and get a couple in there and... You know, get a couple of homegrown talents. I think that'd be be great for their future. Like they've already Hewitt and, and Bustling have already trained at, at West Coast this year as part of the academy stuff, so they'd know what those two are all about. So um, I think that'd be better for their their rebuild. But they might they might think differently. They might have a an Ashcroft in their mind or a, a Sheasel or a Sardis or is Ashcroft not sold on the idea of going to Brisbane? It doesn't feel like it, but. The problem there is he, if he, uh, I think there's there's talk he wants to stay in Melbourne. stay in Victoria, yeah. So um, it, that doesn't really help the Eagles out, I suppose. If he if he chooses against the father son thing and goes into the open draft, that's Correct. that's up to him. So yeah, uh, that's a little bit of a risk for him to take. But uh, Brisbane seem confident that they can can get it over the line. Yeah. Well. They're sort of in the window, Brisbane, aren't they? Yeah, I, exactly. I, I don't think they're going that well, but they're sort of in the window. Let's see if we can tip some winners, Geordie. So let's start off with Western Bulldogs versus St Kilda, the Friday night game. With Tab Touch, Western Bulldogs are $1.57. St Kilda are $2.40. Um, I don't know why the Doggies would be favourites in this. Yeah, they're both not tracking great, are they? That's a real interesting one. Who are you going for? I've gone the doggies, but no great confidence with that one. They're both pretty unreliable sides this year. Saints, yeah, Saints were good in the first half, but they they really battled after half time, and yeah, the Bulldogs were were blown away at the weekend as well. So they're both not carrying the greatest form into this one, but I think the the doggies will get this one just. I'm going to tip the Saints. I just think I'm I'm not sure that that market surprises me. Um, I think St Kilda is the better performed team. This year, I think uh, the dogs, even though they went to Sydney last week, it's still a travel. They got to, you know, you, you go in there, you play a night game, you got to get out again, you got to get home. Uh, St Kilda played at home against Fremantle. Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't think there'll be much in it, and there's not, as you say, there's not a lot to recommend either of them at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but but wrong. I'm I'm going to stay with the Saints. 
Adelaide versus Collingwood on Saturday. Uh, Adelaide are two dollars fifty outsiders, even though it's at Adelaide Oval. Collingwood a dollar fifty three. So the Crows were pretty respectable earlier in the year, and they've sort of like slid a bit, haven't they? And Collingwood's tr- tracking very nicely. Yeah, they were the better team in South Australia for the first five or six weeks, and then they've... Uh, that, that was doing you no favours, was it? No, nah, it wasn't great, especially that Jordan Dawson after the siren kick. That was uh, that was pretty horrible, but... How did you come to be a Port Adelaide supporter, by the way? Oh, I just jumped on them when they came into the comp, really, so no no connection with South Australia whatsoever. So. Did you like the teal, did you? Yeah, I didn't mind the teal. Teal um, brings out my eyes, so... Um. <laughs> so you told. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go the Pies. I've tipped Adelaide purely because they're at home, really. I think they might be able to cause a surprise. Collingwood... You, you think Collingwood's due for a tumble? I think so. Well, they nearly they nearly suffered one last week as well against against North, so they're a little bit shaky at the moment. So, yeah, I think, I think the Crows could cause a bit of an upset here. What's the mail on Darcy Moore? Is Darcy Moore any chance to play this week, or are we, are we expecting him to miss another one? He's being named today, but... Um, I, I think he still needs to pass a fitness test or whatever, so it's still still no certainty. Just I tell you what, if he misses a game after that, that's a big win for Collingwood, isn't it? That looked like twelve months. Yeah, when he hit the ground up on the Gold Coast. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, I'll stay with the Pies. You're going with the home team, the Crows. Very unport Adelaide to tip the Crows. <laughs> um, GWS versus Brisbane. Uh, this is in. Sydney, I think. Um, GWS is two dollars fifty-six with Tab Touch. Brisbane is a dollar fifty-two. Um, the Lions have to win now, don't they? Like, and and there's still probably going to be some carryover from the COVID and injury issues of last week. Yeah, definitely. So We've seen become- that a lot as well, haven't we? That um, yeah. it doesn't matter when these guys come back. There's usually a bit of, you know, they're probably only playing at 80% capacity, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I've tipped the Giants for this one purely because I think how many changes did Brisbane have last week? I think it was 10 or Nine. So. Nine, yeah. So, And there might have been one just before the game, actually, which would have taken it to 10. Yeah, that's right. There was a late laid out as well. So so that's too many, isn't it, really? I think so, yeah. Like when you're looking at the way they play team defence and, and that sort of thing these days, that has to be a massive disruption to, to how you're setting up and how you're trying to... Um, well, more than anything else, stop the opposition from moving the ball. Absolutely. And there, there are a lot of good players as well. I think Harris Andrews was one of them. Zorko was out with the, the hamstring. Um, yeah, there was a lot of their top-end talent out. So, you know, whether they get half of those back or not, but I think either either way it's yeah going to be a tough one. And then, like you said, it's at, at GWS home ground as well. So, yeah, I think, I think the Giants are good value there. All right, I'm going to go with Brisbane, but uh, I'm a bit shaky about it. Just as an aside, who do you reckon will coach GWS next year? I don't know, actually. I I think they should take a look at someone like a Jamie Graham. I hope I hope he throws his hat in the ring and um, it'd be a good I, list to get if it's your first coaching job, wouldn't it? I think so. Yeah, I'd, you'd much rather it than the North Melbourne's list. That's for sure. I think I think they've got you know. Yeah, much better sort of even spread among the age groups. That they've always found it tough to hold on to a lot of their players purely because of the, I guess, the salary cap issues. With when you bring so many top end players through the draft, eventually, you know, if they're if they're good, you've got to um, up their contracts a fair bit. So you know, Hopper is another one that is attracting some Victorian interest. So whether he stays, but. Yeah, either way, I think the Giants list is uh, is pretty good. What I would like to see, I would like to see Clarkson go to North Melbourne, um, given the departure of David Noble this week. I think he has skin in the game, if you like. He played for North. Uh, he will have genuine care for the club. Um, I think the relocation thing to Tasmania won't go away because I think that clubs, the other 18 clubs will be reticent about setting up a 19th licence in Tasmania. Um, and I think Clarkson's relationship with the Tasmanians may help in that space. Um, and the bloke I would like to see coach GWS is Don Pike. Of course, yeah. he's Don yeah. Pike is in Sydney. He's done a great job at, at the Sydney Swans. I'm told that John Longmire raves about him. He's a ball movement coach that will suit that list. Um, he will get them shifting the ball and get, get them expressing their talent, playing to their strengths, if you like. Um, and if I'm the Giants, he would be the bloke I'd be targeting. 
I don't mind that actually. Yeah, probably comes a bit cheaper than Clarko too. Felt like he was a bit hard done by at the the Crows and that as well. So I feel like he's yeah he's certainly got plenty more to give as a as a senior coach. He's gone back and you know done his apprenticeship again almost hasn't he? So um, he's almost like a, a Michael Voss where you know Voss was a senior coach, lost his job there, went back and. You know, did some assistant coaching roles, and yeah, he he might be cherry ripe for another go. Well, I'd argue that um, Pike's more credentialed than Voss. I mean, Pike had Adelaide in a grand final, and then you had the craziness with the camp and the fallout from that. And you know, he was, never quite recovered from that, did he? Well, none of them did really, uh, did they? The players never really got over it. The club never really got over it. It's still not completely clear what happened, but clearly it caused discontent and, and unease and unrest within the club and and clearly the the club felt the need to back the people that ran the camp and that didn't sit too well with some of the players um it just caused a schism i think and 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 from there they were always going to be struggling to to glue it all together it was probably one of the situations where without doing much wrong he probably had to go just so that the club could get clear air i think so yeah and like he wasn't the only one though was he like i think the ceo went and yeah um, probably some board members and stuff like that. It got, yeah, pretty messy pretty quickly. All right. I'm going to tip um, Brisbane to beat them. But, uh, yeah, as I said, very shaky. Are you going with the Giants? Um, yeah, yeah. Even though they didn't didn't play too well against Port last week. But, yeah, I think I think they're worth a, a shout purely just because of how uh, depleted the lines are at the moment. And, you know, we've seen when players do come back from COVID, they're, they're never as good straight away. It usually does take a couple of weeks. North Melbourne versus Richmond. Uh, this will be Lee Adams's first game in charge of North. Richmond are a dollar nine, and North are seven dollars fifty. Any chance of the old first game under the new coach coming through for North? Do you think? That's why I've tipped them. You've tipped North. Yep. I, should we have a look at the paper? I think I'll be the only one in the whole tipping section <laughs> to tip North. Let's have a look. It's, I've got it in, right in front of me. It's tomorrow, isn't it? Our lift out is tomorrow. There's yeah, no Thursday game. I hope, true, I hope it's tomorrow because yeah, I haven't tipped yet. I've got a newspaper <laughs> in front of me, but it doesn't have the tipping. That's not a good start. Either, so. um, well, either way, look at tomorrow's by tomorrow's paper. The the pre-game lift outs in that. It's really good. All right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm top of the tipping as well somehow, even though I took a month off to go to America. So um, I'm pretty happy with that. Well but done. I don't think it's going to last very long if I'm tipping north, but we'll see how we go. Did you pay close attention when you were in America? Nah, not not massively. Um, looked at the scores and stuff like that, but it's pretty hard to, like with the time difference and stuff like that. But How much time do you spend on your tips, by the way? Uh not that long, really. I, when I was in America, I went for the home teams other than North and West Coast. That was my uh, my little strategy while I was away. Um, but now I've, yeah, now I'm starting to show a bit of faith in West Coast and, and North. All right. Um, so for for both of us, I'm going to go against you, mate. I think chipping North is a load of rubbish. I'm going to take the Tigers. <laughs> no, that's um, fair. I think the Tigers have to win because there's a lot riding on this as far as their finals um, chances go. So, I, I'm, In fact, I'd go so far as to say that if if Richmond can't beat North, Richmond shouldn't be playing finals. So. Where do you see – where are they at at the moment? They've got a lot of injuries, don't they? They're, um, they're a bit of a worry at the moment. Yeah, but then, look, people talk about them. I get the feeling that – People are a bit. Sometimes people are desperate to write people off, and sometimes they're desperate for them to resurrect them. They talk about Richmond's injuries. Dusty's got a hamstring. It's a minor hamstring. Lynch has got a hamstring. It's a minor hamstring. Cotchin's nearly ready to return. Like these guys, they're about to get players back. The only thing I'm worried about is their their ruck stocks at the moment. With Nan Curvis is is Didn't, out. So yeah, I, Soldo's got the thumb as well. Yeah, so, so I think they're going to potentially play that Samson Ryan. So he's fam- famous for playing one game, and I think he got minus one in, in Supercoach. Right. So, um, yeah, against Goldstein as well. That's that's where my one of my worries comes for Richmond this weekend. All right. We'll, like- see. we'll see. You're a man of great faith, so let's see how you go. <laughs> uh, Carlton versus Geelong. This is the game of the round, I suggest. Uh, Geelong is $1.62. Carlton is $2.30. 
Um, the winner of this game, well, we think Geelong are almost premiership favourites. The win- if Carlton were to win this game, I think people will be talking about Carlton as a as a genuine flag threat. Yeah, absolutely. This will be a massive test for them. It should be a bit of a shootout, shouldn't it, with probably the two best forward line combos in in the comp yep. going going head to head. So, um, looking forward to to that one. Really, I've, I've tipped Geelong for this one. Is it? A, it's at it's MCG. Ah, MCG. Yes. That makes it. There's going to be 75,000 there, I reckon. I'm going to tip Geelong. I don't think the venue um, will bother them. Uh, it's not at GMHBA Stadium, or as I called it last week, the Geelong men's home for the brilliant but aged. <laughs> um, I, I think that uh, Geelong play the MCG well. I think that Carlton plays a lot of home games at Marvel. And probably plays its best footy at Marvel too, I reckon. Um, I think at the MCG, the wide open spaces enable other teams to pick holes in their defence a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether Geelong can do that. I think the Cats can get this done. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they'll um, they'll win. Should be a game of the round, really, isn't it, at the moment? Well, another game that stumps up is one of the games of the round. Fremantle versus Sydney at Optus Stadium on Saturday night. Fremantle $1.57 with tab touch. Sydney at $2.40. Um, I'm going with the home team. What about you, Geordie? Yeah, I'm going with the home team, but Alex Pierce is going to make things interesting. Whether it be interesting to see whether he gets up from that calf injury, he was a laid out last week against the Saints, so um, he didn't do a massive amount at training last night. I was told. I think he was mainly you know walking laps, jogging laps, that sort of thing. So yeah, he's probably got a bit to prove fitness wise. So yeah, if he doesn't go. On Buddy, do we see Cox go on him? Do we see Logue? And Buddy's form at uh, at Optus is is pretty good. I think he's fourteen goals in two games. Two games, yeah, yep. it's remarkable, isn't it? So, yeah, I think I think Frio will get it done, but I reckon Sydney a pretty good value if P- Pierce doesn't play. I think that they could cause an upset. I'm I'm going with Frio though. I sound like I was hedging my bets then. I'm going with Freo. I think Logue goes to Buddy if Pierce doesn't play. I think Logue did a pretty good job on Buddy last year. I reckon Buddy got a couple of 50-50 free kicks and Logue probably made the mistake of playing him from in front a little bit, got nudged under the ball a couple of times and Lance got out the back. I I suspect he would play him differently Um, and I think he has the athleticism to go with him. If If there's no Alex Pierce, I'd certainly be putting Logue on him before I put Brennan Cox on him. And is Logue a different player to, to last year as well? Do you feel like he's he's got a lot more confidence in himself at the moment? I thought he was a pretty good player last year, to be honest. I, I think that um, he had a bit of a lapse earlier in the season, got dropped out of the Fremantle team. He's come back strong. I think he understands his value to the team now, that he can play at either end. He can play on talls and smalls. So, yeah, I think he's a... He's, he's in a pretty good space at the moment. And he's given himself a new nickname as well. Have you heard of it? What is it? Swing King. The Swing King? Yeah. Look out. <laughs> Don't you love it when they give themselves a nickname? <laughs> All right, Hawthorne versus West Coast. A dollar eighteen for the Hawks. West Coast four dollars eighty. This will be an emotional game for Hawthorne, following the the death of Paul Deer um, uh, from pancreatic cancer uh, last week. Paul Deer, of course, was the nineteen ninety one Norm Smith medalist in the grand final against West Coast. There's a bit of synergy there and I think there'll be some uh, emotions running pretty deep for the Hawks Paul Deere came on in and spoke to the Hawthorne team a couple of weeks ago just prior to his death um, so this game will carry some extra meaning for Sam Mitchell's boys they need to show a bit too don't they I think so yeah they've they've sort of flown under the radar purely because of you know how bad North are, are going and that sort of thing but they yeah they haven't been tracking that well themselves really they, they had a good start against Adelaide that sort of helped their cause but they yeah after quarter time they weren't they weren't great they still got the job done but yeah they're one of those ones they're a bit of an in-between side at the moment Hawthorne I don't really know how to how to read them right now no neither do I West Coast are getting better but you'd think that Hawthorne should start clear favourites in this and should win the game I think so yeah um be interesting to see you know, Barras will probably get the job on Mitch Lewis he's been flying at the moment I think he had Four or five goals in the first five quarter. Five goals, five goals before half time. That is, yeah, unbelievable. He's he's one of the best young forwards in the comp, isn't he? He's he's come on really well. 
Melbourne versus Port Adelaide. Melbourne a dollar fifty-two. Port Adelaide two dollars fifty-five. This is a danger game for the D's. Your boys are going all right after the zero-five start, um, and but for that zero-five start, I think they'd be in the eight. Um, and Melbourne, they're just going. Yeah, they're not not convincing at the moment. The D's. I think they'll get it done. If if it was it. Adelaide Oval, I, I would have tipped Port. I think they're a two or three goal better side at least at Adelaide Oval. But, yeah, I think Melbourne will still get it done even without Clayton Oliver. So he's he's definitely ruled out with that thumb injury for this weekend. Uh, but, no, nah, I think I think Melbourne will get it done just. I'm tipping Melbourne, but I'm starting to get a bit shaky about the Ds. I think there are issues there. I think the hangover setting in. And uh, it's only a mild one, but I think it's there. And uh, it's starting to catch up with them a bit. And it'll definitely have sunk in if they lose this. All right, so Melbourne narrowly for me. Last game, Essendon versus Gold Coast. Gold Coast are $1.85 in an away game. Not many away games Gold Coast would have started as favourites. Essendon are $1.95. I'm going to tip the favourites. I'm going to tip the Suns. I think this is where they frank their improvement. An away game against a team that started to play some half-reasonable football. I think Gold Coast has to get victories like this to put themselves on the road i've gone for essendon but yeah no great great confidence with this one that's it the the odds are pretty fair aren't they dollar 95 dollar 85 it's probably yeah it's a it's going to be a tight game um essendon they only got the job done just against a, a real depleted brisbane side as well so yeah they're not they're not that convincing themselves but i think yeah i think they'll they'll win just All right, and now it is time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. And the Thirsty Camel Mailbag is brought to you at the moment by Jack Daniels Old Number 7. So if you are the best email that uh, comes into us in a given week and you live in Western Australia and you can come and pick up your voucher, you can come and get some Jack's Old Number 7 and, and sample the uh, the produce, even though Geordie uh, McArdle, draft judge extraordinaire, prefers vodka, lime and soda. No, I'm willing to give it a go. <laughs> I'm willing to, yeah, give it a crack. When, when are you taking me out for a Jack's old number seven, Duff? Well, the problem is I'm old number 58. That's how many years <laughs> I've been on the planet, mate. So uh, uh, I, I don't do a lot of going out and drinking Jack's. Um, I will, though, I've I'm, I'm, I'm put it on my list to, to buy... Uh, a pack and uh, take it home and uh, in very civilised surroundings have a quiet drink and uh, see what I think of it all right Ali hi Duff and Quarters we often complain about inconsistencies in the MRO and query how serious the AFL really is in protecting the head having watched the third state of origin match on Wednesday night I think we should at least be grateful for how far we've come in comparison Dane Gagai threw five Andrew Gaff punches and the commentators were talking about it as if it was some glorious return to the 80s. Not one mention of how many weeks they think he deserves. Apparently all-out brawls where punches are thrown are still celebrated by those in the NRL. I was utterly appalled by all that and whatever complaints we have, I am thankful that the AFL appears to be miles ahead both culturally and in rules on violence and concussion. Did you watch The State of Origin? I didn't, but I heard how many concussions. I think there were three concussions in the first five or so minutes. It was absolute carnage. So um, I, I agree there in terms of it. It's been stamped out quite a lot in AFL, hasn't it? It's it's frowned upon. You know, commentators are quite hard on the players who who do those sort of acts. Where in in rugby league they're almost praised, and you know people want want that in the game. Yeah, it's a it's a different game. It's rugby league. It's not as skillful as AFL, but it is a brutal game. It is played by brutal men, really. They're big blokes. Have you ever stood what next to one of them? Oh, yeah, I think so. Willie Mason, it's, randomly. They are dead set frightening. How big they are. Yeah, those blokes. he's they're about f- double my height and double my width. I reckon. Huge big lad. Yeah, they're massive men. They hit really, really hard. Um, Adrian Barrett took me along to a Western Reds game once at uh, the Wacker, and we sat on the sidelines. He said, you need to sit close. And the description he gave it, he says, because when you're close, you can hear the bones cracking. That's how he described it. There was one bloke got a concussion uh, in the first half, 
and he stayed on the ground. Fair dinkum, he had one eye on the pot and the other one up the chimney. His eyes weren't even looking in the same direction. Um, this is back in the 1990s, so clearly they would have moved on a little bit on concussion since then. But it is a brutal game. It is played by brutal men. I do like watching the State of Origin. I missed the game last night, but I, I, I do enjoy it as a spectacle. But um, I try not to compare the two. And I am pleased that the AFL is where it is with concussion, regardless of where NRL decides it wants to be. Side note, I find it remarkable that Barra played for... He was in inaugural Western Red, is that right? He kind of played twos, yeah. It, it may have been more a bit of a publicity stunt than <laughs> an actual attempt to uh, recruit a cross-coder. Uh, he played a couple of games of twos. He said that uh, uh, playing it was not as much fun as AFL <laughs> when those big blokes got hold of you and when they were standing across the line from you and uh, yelling out, I'm going to smash you, I'm going to kill you. He said that was no fun either. Well, he probably had a target on his back because he was that, you know, cross code, that sort of thing. He was like the, the Carmichael Hunt or the, uh, the Israel Folau, wasn't he? Yeah, the... Barra was a tough footballer too. So when Barra told me how frightening it was, I decided that rugby league was definitely not my game. <laughs> All right, um, from... Uh, Brett, g'day, Duff and Geordie. He's he's made the adjustment. Oh, right? how good's that? Well, he's, like... a, he's a clubhouse leader already. Yeah, he's, he's, he's won the prize already in my eyes. Well, it seems the silly season is upon us already, and as a Frio supporter, the silly season seems to get longer and sillier each year. From all reports, Rory Lobb has already packed his bags. As much as I'd love to see Luke Jackson in purple next year, he's more of a ruck than a key forward. Plus, we would have to sell the farm for him. Fremantle's young key forward's stocks are stacked with Amos, Tracy and Quek, but it will take some time for them to develop. Instead of the selling the farm for Jackson, why not lease out a generous sized paddock or two for Buddy Franklin? Buddy would help fill the chasm up forward, especially if Lob leaves. He'd be an inv- and he's put a tick next to that. Um, he'd prove an invaluable mentor towards our young key forwards. Tick next to that as well. Plus, Buddy would sell out home games at Optus Stadium quicker than an Ed Sheeran concert. Tick next to that. Can add another one onto that. Buddy has a pretty good record at Optus Stadium. Yeah, if he's averaging seven goals a game, it uh, it looks pretty good, doesn't it? So, it's interesting though. There's there's not any talk of him ever wanting to come home to, to WA, is there? I think he likes the anonymity in Sydney, even though Buddy is probably not anonymous in Sydney anymore. There are probably still places in Sydney where he can go where he feels like he's not in the bubble. Um, and I think he likes that. Um, clearly, you know, he was a megastar. He was definitely inside the bubble at Melbourne, uh, less so in Sydney, and I think he likes the idea of that. So I, I would have thought coming home to Perth to play for one of the clubs here would not be high on his list of priorities, but who knows? Um, if the contract is $100,000 overs, then maybe it gets interesting for him. Absolutely, yeah. Very good email. You're in front. <laughs> Geordie's got you in front he's, anyway. He's got my vote. Yeah. All right, Ryan from Pinjarra in Western Australia. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Well, you're behind already, Ryan. Big fan of your work. Couple of quick questions regarding Frio's current list build. Question one, with 30 disposals and 472 metres gained on field last week, has the contribution of Jordan Clark to Frio's list been underappreciated and overshadowed by Will Brody's acquisition? Question two, the performances we are getting out of players who have been traded in, such as Blake Akers, James Aish, Will Brody and Jordan Clark, have complemented our shrewd drafting and top-end picks. Given Fremantle's history with botched trades i.e. Hogan, Bennell, Kirsten, etc. Have recent acquisitions balanced out the negatives and would they make us feel more comfortable turning to the trading table in future? Warm regards from Ryan from Pinjarra. Good questions, I reckon. Um, Jordan Clark, his last month's been very, very really, good. really good. Yeah, so he's one of those ones. I think if Will Brody wasn't going so well, there'd be a lot more um, spotlight on how well Jordan Clark's going, but... Um, yeah, he's he's been a great acquisition. Like, um, and and the trades in general, there's been a bit of a shift, hasn't there? There was there was a horrible run, wasn't there? There was Kirsten never quite made it. Uh, McCarthy never quite made we, it. We do forget old. Joel Hamling, who was pretty good for three or four years for Freo before his ankle injury. So I think you'd, you'd give Joel Hamling a tick. Tick, yeah, um, and and Collier as well. 
Um, he was around that sort of same time as Hamling and Collier's probably played his best footy under Justin, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's. I think he's missed one game this year, and that was due to health and safety protocols. Mm. So um, that says a bit. I think he's he's he'll be around again next year. Conquer. Yeah, he, probably. You you wouldn't say it's a success. 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 Sorry, you would not say Reese Conker being traded to Fremantle was a success, Jordan. That reminds me of that Sam Butler press conference. Do you remember that? We had a lot of sex. We had a lot of success. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think they've been excellent on the trade table the last few years. Aish has been really good. Especially the last few games. Ace has been magnificent, and hopefully they can uh, get that contract put to bed because I think they'd love him running around on the wing again next year. I think it's underestimated how important the wing roles are, and it's also misunderstood what the wing role is. You need an enormous runner there. You need someone like an Ed Langdon or a Brad Hill or a Blake Akers on the wing because of the ground they cover, the, the defensive cover they provide, the outlet from defence and the run forward, you know, the the involvement in chains, like an Andrew Gaff at West Coast has been for so many years. So. And I think they've missed Akers since he's been injured the last three or four weeks. I feel like that that role, Hughes hasn't really set the world alight in that role. Well, it's asking a lot, isn't it? I mean, Ethan Hughes has been a defender pretty much all his life. Oh, definitely, yeah. And he, he got and that one that one waffle game for Peel as a as a winger just to try him out. He was he was really good that day, but yeah, it's so a you, lot to learn quickly. You, you might see him, depending on what happens in the Blake Acres contract talks. You might see Ethan Hughes revisit that role next year, uh, and and be given a full preseason to prepare for it. Absolutely, and Liam Henry as well. He's he's shown glimpses doing that role as well. So they've got a couple of options, but yeah, I reckon was, he's turned the corner a bit, Liam Henry. The I last think few so, weeks, yeah, it yeah. was a shame. I think it was the Carlton Carlton game. He was he was really good, and then he ended up getting injured. Yeah, a bit of hamstring soreness. Yeah, so that's a shame. And then he was medical sub last week, didn't get used, and um, he might be a sneaky chance this week if um, if Acres doesn't get up. So it'd be, be interesting to see how they go. All right, Harris. Writes in, high Duff and Quarters, love the podcast and religiously listen to it now. Have tried a few other footy podcasts as I've enjoyed yours so much and they're just not the same. You guys are heads and shoulders above the rest and small hands as well. Heads, shoulders <laughs> and small hands. All right. The framing on the North Melbourne discussion needs to be recalibrated with all this discussion surrounding priority picks, concessions that they don't have have debt, so why would they relocate, etc. Surely the AFL can boil a question down to move to Tassie and you'll get a bucket load of concessions in the vein of GWS Gold Coast under the banner of growing the game nationally, or don't stay in Melbourne and get by via usual processes. All this chatter of giving out extra pick when a team goes bad, slight sidebar, but there will come a time when GWS needs to rebuild and the inevitable bailout that would ensue would serve a purpose to keep the game growing nationally. If North insist on staying in Melbourne, they shouldn't get the bailout. Your thoughts? So basically, the carrot. Go to Tassie, get the picks. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, yeah, North are probably going to get a priority pick anyway, aren't they, next next year? It seems like there is support for it. Now, now usually the AFL is absolutely reluctant to do this. They don't want compromised drafts. Other clubs hate it. But you get the feeling, um, I've got a feeling in my waters, Jordan, that uh, they might be getting the priority draft pick. I think so, yeah. Purely, like, they've won one game this year and probably only been competitive in a couple more. So, so And the game they won was against West Coast Waffle Team. Exactly, yeah, basically. which had how many top-ups? Had Giro, Mountford, Something Aaron like. Black. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty understrength side and they nearly lost it, so... Shows where they're at. Um, I think. I think it'd be good. Like, would you have any problem with if the AFL can't solve this? Would you have any problem in them saying to North Melbourne, um, if you go, this is what you get, and if you stay, you don't get it? Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I was I was thinking a lot about the the Tassie team in the last couple of days. Do you think a lot of them, a lot of Tassie natives, will come back and play the tail end of their career for the? Let's say they come in in you know two three years. If Jack Rewalt's still around, Mitch Robinson's still around, Alex Pierce, proud Tasmanian. There's actually quite a few 
really good Tasmanians that I could see finishing. So it's going to be hard to get them to get Alex Pierce. He's just signed a three-year, hasn't he? Three-year, so, yeah. So that's 23, 24, 25. You suspect, given his injury history, there might not be much left of Alex Pierce after those three years. Jack Revolt, um, maybe is a they'd have to be starting up next year almost for Jack to be relevant to them, um, even though he's still playing reasonable footy. Mitch Robinson's nearly cooked at Brisbane now so whether you want Mitch might be a bloke you want on your list but he's probably not going to be one of a you know a major list coup is he um yeah it's an interesting one so I reckon the right answer here is a relocation but the problem with it is no one wants to go and they don't the Tasmanians don't want a relocated team I think what's going to happen is if they get their own team the AFL is going to demand that the government put in 15 million dollars a year and I think there's going to be a change of government and the Tasmanian government won't want to put in $15 million a year. They will look at um, a $500 million stadium that they'll probably have to build. <clears throat> they will look at um, $15 million a year and they'll say, well, hang on a minute, we've got schools to take care of, we've got hospitals to take care of, we can't do this. So I think a relocation is the right way to go if you can somehow find a way for the club that goes there to retain say ten or 15,000 of their members in Melbourne, it just adds to the viability of the club. Um, it, it gives the club more money and it lessens the load on the Tasmanian government to um, to provide so much money to stump it up. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think it's going to be very challenging and I don't think we're at the point where they have a clear solution as yet. And to worry, if, if they do do a standalone Tassie team, that's a lot of money already coming out of North's pocket because they were getting so much money from the Tassie government, or they are getting... Well, my understanding is that between North Melbourne and Hawthorne, there's $8 million from the Tasmanian government. So they're already putting in eight for token gestures, you know, what do they play? Three or four games each. Three or four games, community camps, that sort of thing, yeah. So. Yeah, so that's, and it's not getting it done for Tasmanian footy. Tasmanian footy is dying on the vine, so that's not money well spent. Um, is there a different way to do it? Could you half relocate two teams and get more football events? Say, for example, um, let's say St Kilda's the most subsidised Victorian team by the AFL. So let's say St Kilda in North Melbourne. What if they went? What if St Kilda went to Launceston and played eight games there, and North Melbourne went to Hobart and played eight games there, sixteen games, as opposed to eleven, if they had their own team? Uh, you wouldn't have to. You might do fifty to hundred million dollars upgrading the two stadiums, uh, trying to provide more financial sort of impetus. You might. Um, benefit from footy tourism and the 16 events means more people come in so you get money coming the other way um, maybe that's an answer and if you can convince the Tasmanians that 16 is better than 11 even if it's not under the banner of your team and each yeah, Launceston and Hobart have, or the North and South have well this is the other problem they've got these guys fight like cats and dogs <laughs> they don't talk to each other you know like they tell jokes about each other I went to Launceston to watch a, a Fremantle Hawthorne game back in 2002 and the first thing the bloke did was tell me the joke about the mountain in Hobart he said if you can see it it's about to rain if you can't see it it's already raining <laughs> talking about the Hobart weather so they're not particularly complimentary of each other. Where was Siren Gate? Was that Launceston? That was Launceston. Yeah, right. Yes. Did you go to that one? No, I wasn't at that one. That was actually um, Paul Duffield's obviously my nephew. That was his debut. Is that right? He played his, his debut with Siren Gate, yep, versus St Kilda in Launceston. All right, Geordie, who's the best email of the week? My mate, Brett, because he remembered my name. Now, I, I did like the trade question as well. I thought that was... I thought that was good. I, I I do agree there with Jordan Clark sort of flying under the radar a bit because of how well Will Brody's going. Am I just hedging hedging my bets again? Do I just yeah, no, we're going with Brett. Anyone who gets your, you know gets Duff and Geordie in the first par and Geordie as well. I like it. He's giving me a bit of a nickname. And he's so. miles ahead. He's probably a mate of yours, is he? You've decided to split the jacks. No, he is. He is now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brett. Uh, if you want to uh, email this address to claim your prize. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us today. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. 
Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858. Geordie, thanks for filling in, mate. You can do so anytime. Thanks, um, mate. No, it's been it's been good fun. The the audience is already recognising you as part of the podcast. <laughs> you're you're on the way. You're well and truly on the way. I've got my first personalised email, so that's that's pretty exciting. Well, hopefully we've tipped you a winner. Hope your team goes well this weekend, and we'll be back on Tuesday to run the ruler over the round. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.